Hi, we're Eleanor and Carrie. We're the hosts of the Good Robot Podcast. And join us as we ask the experts, what is good technology? Is it even possible? And what does feminism have to bring to this conversation? If you want to learn more about today's topic, head over to our website where we've got a full transcript of the episode and a specially curated reading list with work by or picked by our experts. But until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Today we're talking to David Adelani, a computer scientist, PhD candidate at Saarland University in Germany, and active member of Masakane. Masakane is a grassroots organization whose mission is to strengthen and support natural language processing research in African languages. There are over 2,000 African languages, so David and the Masakane team have their work cut out for them. We also discuss how to build technology with few resources and the challenges and joys of participatory research. We hope you enjoy the show. So thank you so much for joining us today, David. Can you tell us a bit about what you do and what brought you to your work? Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm David Adelani, originally from Nigeria. I'm a PhD student of computer science at Zaland University in the Department of Language Science and Technology. I work on topics around privacy and security of voice interaction systems and NLP models. And I'm also very, very interested uh, in the development of data sets and tools for African languages. I guess why that's why you're invited. Fantastic. And so we know as part of their interest, you work with an organization called Masakane. Could you tell us a bit more about Masakane and what brought you to the organization? Uh, so Masakane is a grassroots organization uh, whose mission is to strengthen and support NLP research in African languages and for Africans and by Africans. So there's an, a, a really emphasis on being done by uh, African researchers. And of course, this is with the support of like-minded people around the world. So, yeah. And Masakani is an Isizulu word, which means that we build together. And that's what has been happening. It's a participatory uh, form of research. I joined Masakani during the first Africa NLP workshop in 2020. I think I was so impressed by their work on machine translation and their approach of doing research. Uh, they prioritize uh, inclusive community building uh, with an open participatory research. Uh, I really love this approach because it allows people from different parts of the world to work together and also uh, people from different disciplines like linguists, language technologists, policy makers, computer researchers, and scientists. So it's a very uh, good initiative. And also, everything is open sourced. They even work, even the way they work, everything is open source. And uh, everyone can see what's going on uh, when they start a project. We're called the Good Robot. And as part of that, we ask what good technology is and what it looks like. And occasionally, we come across technologies that we think are brilliant or technological processes. So, with that in mind, can you talk to us a little bit about? either Masakani or other work that you do, and tell us what you think good technology is. Yeah, good technology, I would say, is a technology that 
helps to improve the quality of life of people and at the same time without harming any group of people. You know, you can have some technology that works very well on certain groups and uh, doesn't work on another group. Like, there's a lot of discussion about uh, facial recognition technologies that doesn't work for, for example, black people. Then the question is, is this a good technology or not? If it costs harm to a certain group of people, then uh, we cannot generally accept that this is a good technology. When you talk about Masakani, so we uh, want, I think the main idea is to make a different group of people to be part of the process of building this data set, of building these models. So if you are part of it, then you are very careful of what will be the impact of this technology. So if this works, okay, if I have built a technology that only works, for example, for Bantu languages in Africa and doesn't work for maybe uh, some other West African languages, then you can already point it out because you're part of the process. And uh, and uh, there are so, some other issues about uh, will it work in low-resource scenarios? Can I even run this model? Yeah, and uh, things like that. Uh, so maybe can I run this model on, on a CPU, uh, for example? Because maybe most labs on, in Africa uh, cannot afford to buy a GPU, for example. Absolutely. And this kind of leads really nicely into the next question we want to ask you, which is thinking very broadly about the AI sector as a whole. What kinds of problems or exclusions is Masakane trying to address? Oh, yeah. So the the main problem we are trying to address is the underrepresentation of AI scientists from Africa. Uh, So how can we include, how can we have more uh, people from Africa being part of AI? It's a very big sector. And we want them to be part of the process. And also, we want to increase the, the research on African languages. So I think Africa, Africa has over 2,000 languages. And these languages are not spoken by just a small portion of people. On average, they're spoken by a large number of people. So it's really important. And we want these languages to work on many African languages. So until recently, most evaluation on African languages are only based on maybe Swahili. And this is just one out of many languages. So we want our models to be evaluated on many African languages. And you know, one thing is Africa is big and it's very diverse. And also the languages are very diverse, even in the same country. For example, Nigeria has like over 500 languages, very diverse country. Uh, so if you just focus on one or two Nigerian languages, you won't really understand uh, the diversity of these languages and some of the interesting properties of the languages that have been left out. Uh, and the last thing is that I will talk about is uh, we also have the non-availability of this technology to Africa. So we want this technology to support African languages. So how many um, machine translation tools support African languages. For European languages, we have many tools that you can use, and uh, and also because it's a very multilingual society in Europe. Uh, so and sometimes industry uh, entrepreneurs are very skeptical about investing in African languages because they don't know what will be the market value. Is there any economic benefit f- for this? But it's important to the people, to the speakers of the language.
Fantastic. It sounds like such important and amazing work. Uh, but what kinds of barriers do you face in trying to do this good work? Or why is it so hard to fix these kinds of problems and these kinds of exclusions? I think it's difficult for two reasons. I think one, the, the first thing is about the process in addressing this problem. So most people have tried to work on African languages in the past. So what they do is that sometimes they don't even involve native speakers of the language. You can crawl the web and just get conversation of people on social media or, or Wikipedia. And you don't involve the speakers of this language. Right? So, and, uh, and sometimes, even if they are involved, you see they are not properly compensated. They are not involved in technology. Uh, uh, they are not involved in, and they are not acknowledged uh, in publications and things like that. So the second point I wanted to talk about is uh, there's knowledge gap in AI because she cannot solve a, a problem if you don't have the skills to to solve it. So uh, there's a need to invest in education, mentorship, and collaborative work. For example, internship with top labs and AI companies to address this problem. And that's why this approach really works well because it's uh, open and it's participatory, so it will involve everybody. It's not only Africans that are working on this problem. We also have researchers from around the world also assisting to help people that are interested in this problem are also assisting. Yeah. So when we try to include all this, you know, uh, involving native speakers and also this, the knowledge gap has been addressed, uh, I think we'll be able to solve some of this problem. Uh, so the problems are surmountable. Lots of what you're saying to me resonates with the feminist perspective that Kerry and I take in our work. For example, we're both trying to respond to the question of how to make technologies more inclusive. We're both putting emphasis on methods and processes, and we're both trying to break down these false distinctions between the social world on the one hand and technology on the other to show that social mechanisms and discrimination are embedded in the technology that we use. So how do you see Masakane's work in relation to feminism? Um, yeah, good question. I think we're trying to make Masakane very inclusive, right? I mean, there are many aspects uh, that Masakane is looking at. For example, in terms of how many indigenous languages are we working on? So are we just working on those few ones that are very popular or we're really considering well, languages with fewer number of speakers even endangered languages, you know. Uh, so that's one aspect that we're looking at. Another thing is that currently most people that are in Mascani are English speakers who want to see how we can encourage, for example, more uh, Francophone Africa, more Portuguese speakers, more Arabic speakers uh, from North Africa, how we can encourage different people from different parts of Africa. Uh, to join whether West Africa is central or south or not, uh, to join. And um, this is one thing we're really thinking about and working towards. For example, one thing we are currently working on is translating of some notebooks or resources so that it's easier for other people that do not speak English and are well-educated can also join this community. And also, I'm very glad that the founders of the group are women, and uh, which has really encouraged many women to be uh, to feel welcome in the group. 
and they are leading amazing projects in Wasakani. So most of these top projects you see are actually being led by Iowa, uh, women in Masakani. Masakani is a community that is made up of more than 400 members from 30 African countries. So can yeah. you tell us more about the joys and the challenges of working with such a big, dispersed, grassroots organization? Wow, it's really amazing working with them. I mean, when you think about the enthusiasm, the energy, the passion that people have for African languages, even the non-speakers of the language, I think it's really uh, amazing. And one thing that really uh, makes me very happy is that it's very easy to scale projects in Masakani to many languages. For example, I have an idea to build a name density recognition uh, data set for Yoruba, which is my native language. I share the idea with Masakani during weekly meeting, and a lot of people are interested. Let's say 20 people are interested. And they say, yeah, I want to do this for my language. Then you can easily scale a project of one to a project of, uh, that involves 20 languages. How amazing is that? And you can even have make more impact by doing this. So scaling things project very fast is something that uh, it's really one beautiful thing with uh, with Masakani works. But when you talk about a challenge, you know, when you have like a lot of people, there are also challenges working with many people. Uh, one major challenge uh, is how do you keep motivating people to work? Especially if you're working on a voluntary basis, you're volunteers, right? You're not, you're not paying them. How do you keep motivating them? For example, when we are building the name recognition for African uh, languages, uh, the Masakana data set, uh, it involves more than 40 annotators. How do you manage this? You know, how do you uh, like keep encouraging them. Sometimes I have to personally message, you know, the people that speak this language and encourage them and say, let's do it. And sometimes you have to give time so that you have weekly meeting and assist them with the annotation, even though you are not a speaker of the language. And sometimes it's time consuming, but it's worth it. So why would I not give my time when the people that would do the main work who that will spend more than 10 hours, 20 hours doing this work, are interested in doing it, if I would spare just 30 minutes, I would gladly do that. But one thing I've seen that really challenge people to do more is when you say, okay, there's a deadline. There's an international conference, a workshop coming, and they know they are going to be part of the paper. I think this really encourages them that, okay, at last, all their efforts are being acknowledged somehow. So this acknowledging people's efforts, I, I think it's really important to the community and this really challenges them to really work hard when they are not paid for it. Absolutely. And we've talked a little bit about what Masakane can do for technology, but what yeah. do you think AI can do for African languages? Well, I mean, there are a lot of areas that uh, AI can help African languages. Uh, so most AI technologies, for example, they work with having a large amount of data. But in recent years, there's a really interesting direction about how do you make this happen with fewer amounts of data. Uh, so, and it's very interesting direction, which can really help African languages because we're in this low resource scenario. 
And uh, in last year, we did some work around this that we submitted to African NLP workshop and the EMNLP conference. For example, how can you use like few examples, each like let's say 10 to 100 examples to improve the name registry recognition for AUSA NER and Yoruba NER. And also we include things like distance supervision from automatic labeling from Wikipedia and also uh, having native speakers to write some simple rules. You know, these are small, small, simple, simple ideas that you can integrate without having this large amount of data and you can still have very impressive performance. So AI can also help in that without requiring a lot of data. And I will refer to uh, people to our recent work, I think last year in EMNLP, it's called Transfer Learning and Distance Supervision for Multilingual Transfer Models. Uh, secondly, uh, I think also building models that work on realistic low-resource scenario. So can we build, for example, machine translation models that work on the CPU, that work on the device, and uh, without having the capacity of big companies uh, like Google or Microsoft? And uh, can we make it available to many African languages? And also, the last thing that, that will be interesting to see is how we can build solutions that can help address some of the uh, sustainable development goals, maybe around health, food security, education in Africa. I think this would be amazing. And it would be more interesting if Africans uh, understand this problem more can also yeah, partake in this. Fantastic. And so with that in mind, uh, what's in line for Masakane in the future? Oh, I would say a lot. <laughs> I think it's difficult to predict, but I think we are, it's going to keep expanding and keep growing. And uh, I think we will be a force in the continent that can really change things. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to how this Moscow initiative will spur NLP research in African universities. Uh, also, in general, we, we do less research uh, in Africa than the rest of the world. So if this will encourage people to do more research, this will be very nice. Another thing is that we, it will, we want it to also encourage entrepreneurs to build solutions that work on indigenous African languages. And hopefully this will lead to maybe economic prosperity on the continent. Uh, I think if Moscone can achieve this, you know, and we do, you know, the full end-to-end system that, you know, from the research side to the industry and having real impact in the life of people, uh, I think this would be amazing. Well, it was a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us. And all of the texts that you have participated in and some of the things that you've mentioned with us today will be in our reading list on the website for everyone to access. Uh, thank you very much uh, for inviting me. It was a pleasure talking with you. This episode was made possible thanks to our generous funder, Christina Gould. It was written and produced by Dr. Eleanor Drage and Dr. Kerry Mahra and edited by Laura Zamulyonitan.